This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome back to The Voice of the Shepherd. With me this week is Bishop Peter Smith, and today I wanted to take an opportunity because Bishop has such a, an integral role with our Catholic cemeteries and now our newer funeral home to talk a little bit about our Catholic cemeteries and also how we look at death and dying and caring for those who are dying in our church. So welcome back, Bishop Smith. It's always fun to have you with us. Good to be with you, Dina Marie, and all, all the folks out there who are listening in via the radio on live stream. Thank you for joining us on Mater Day Radio. This is, you know, no matter what time of the year we come together, I think one of the things we avoid is death. Death and taxes, we wish we could avoid, and we've had tax season. Okay, most of us had to do something, but we also have to look at our death, and we've come out of the Easter season, and we hear this renewal, the resurrection of the dead, and and we even hear we die in Christ. So, First off, maybe let's just talk a little bit about death, something that we maybe are uncomfortable with talking about, but as Catholics, how should our approach be to talking about death and dying? Well, death is a part of life, uh, which is an interesting phrase. Death, we are born, we come into this world, we live, and at some point, our life comes to an end, at least our physical life comes to an end. As Catholics and Christians, we believe that our spiritual life goes on, we have eternal life, and what happens in the afterlife depends on the choices we've made in this life. There's a wonderful uh, part of the f- preface number one for the dead, where, where it says, For your faithful people, Lord, life is changed, not ended. Mm-hmm. And that summarizes in, in many respects our belief as Catholics and Christians that when we die— uh, it is the end of this part of our eternal life and the transition to the next. So for us, death, we, none of us likes to face that possibility, of course. It comes sooner or late uh, in our lives, no matter what. But we can approach death with hope. Uh, hope transcends death, and that hope comes from faith in God. So it may be, yes, we're going to die, but we, this isn't the end as the culture around us seems to think. But this is the next step of, of our eternal life, and we hope and pray that is with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all the angels and saints, and all the holy men and women and children who have gone before us, and those who will come after us. That's our hope. And that's why we talk as Catholics of hope transcends the sting of death. That's why Paul writes, death, where is your sting? Mm-hmm. Death, where is your victory? Because in Jesus Christ, we have this transcendent hope at those moments. Now, that doesn't mean that death 
may not may may be easy. It may be very difficult. Yeah. But uh, as I th- who I forget who it was who made the comment when he was asked, "I'm are you afraid of dying?" And he said, "No, but I'm afraid of the process of getting me there." <laughs> so yeah. whatever it was, uh, it that I think is our fear. Is uh, I think most of us would like to uh, exit this life by quietly going to bed at night and then not waking up in the morning rather than go through the other things that happen. But what happens is that we do have disease, we do have illness, we do have accidents. We do have these things that our bodies break down over time perhaps and we get to the end of what we've done in this life and then we go to our judgment with the Lord and then hopefully eternal life with the Lord thereafter. Right, right. I'm talking with Bishop Smith here on The Voice of the Shepherd and reflecting on death, the beauty of death, but also as we look at a Catholic community, we have a way to help people grieve. We have a a way to help people prepare for death. And one of those places is in our Catholic cemeteries. I mean, that's just a visual of where we can see there's a mark. We have when you were born, when you died. But but there's something about the Catholic community that were carried through your whole life. As you look at history, just the way the Catholic Church has been to serve people at their moment of birth and at the moment of death, you know, that responsibility that the Church has to help walk with people throughout their life. Yes. It, it starts with, again, our faith. Our faith teaches us that life comes from God and has to be valued above all else. And so we start life this way, and so as we journey through life and we come to the end, that value of the human life, of the human body, is something that we don't let go of. And the the reason we say that is we're made in the image and likeness of God. So we have our physical bodies, but God also infused in our first ancestors a soul. And so we're, we're not like a higher level of what of other creation was something profoundly different and so we so we have this notion of made in the image and likeness of God and we also have this example of Jesus Christ so the second person of the Trinity the word became flesh and dwelt among us so Jesus took on a human body which ennobles our understanding of the human body and so this is why things are as we we value things such as modesty. We value things such as respect for the for the dead, respect for the living, uh, in hospitals and situations like that. Even now, it's a, you see with there's been a disaster and some there, there are people who have died or accidents. What do we? What's one of the first things we do? We take a blanket or something and cover their face. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we want to respect them and protect their modesty. And in those situations. So there's this basic instinct among us as human beings, and that's built on by our faith, that this, and this, this is how we act in these moments. And so a funeral for us is not, okay, we've reached the end, we'll have a nice little party, and then we'll all go, away, go our ways and try and remember Jim and what happened. No, it, it's for us, it's the, the, the funeral mass and the funeral service and the interment is all suffused with hope. And in a sense, we say goodbye to our brother and sister from this life, and we entrust him or her to the angels and saints to be taken to the Lord for the next. So there's a real transcendent, hopeful element in 
the way we de deal with death in those situations. This is why throughout history, Catholic churches have often had little graveyards next to them. There's a difference between a graveyard and a cemetery, which mm. I didn't know until recently. Ah. I was educated about this. A graveyard is next to a church, and a cemetery is a freestanding um, okay. situation. So if you go back in the Middle Ages and so on, most of the churches had their little graveyards there, and we bury them and we put markers there. And it's, it's interesting to go through. Whenever I'm doing a funeral at one of our Catholic cemeteries, and sometimes other ones, I'll walk through look at the markers and just see the names and see the ages and, and some of them some of them you can see these these people have lived a rich full life and other ones i saw one which just i'm not going to say the last name but it was just one year a mm -hmm. year and it says baby and then the name mm -hmm. and i i remember that caught me short i just looked at this so clearly it was a child that did not live long or barely lived at all in this world before before dying, but there were other family graves around it with all the same yeah. name, and it was just reminded to me, you know, the in in all of this, what is the sum of the life lived of all these people, and what did God do in them and through them, and how did they impact the world, and what did they leave behind? So for us as Catholics, this is an important thing. Now we've moved to more, we don't just bury our people in our own church graveyards. It's a lot harder to do that these days mm -hmm. because of all the regulations from the state and so on. There are some of our parishes, some of our older parishes have their own little graveyards, like St. Wenceslas in Scopus has its own graveyard, and there are a few others. Our Lady of the Lake mm -hmm. had one, although that's separate from the parish. That's right. another part of the town. Those are in and around the, the Portland area, and, and downstate there may be some as well. But we have those um, examples for us. But now we have like Catholic cemeteries where we bury our brothers and sisters in those places. So give us a sense, Bishop Smith, of the locations. We've got the two in the Portland metro area, but also you mentioned Eugene, and Eugene has a Catholic cemetery owned and operated through the Archdiocese of Portland. What are some things that are unique about each one? Different, I know our priests, our religious are buried at some of these cemeteries as well as just any layperson who chooses to be buried in one of our Catholic cemeteries. What's special about them? So the Catholic cemeteries are uh, consecrated land. So those cemeteries to come into being were formally blessed using the ritual mm -hmm. as sacred ground. So in the, in the rite of, uh, uh, that we use for burial or interment, there's a prayer in there for blessing of the ground where this person is going to be interred. But in a Catholic cemetery, that's already been formally blessed when the cemetery began moving into operation. And so those places are all blessed ground. And we have two major ones in the Portland area, Mount Calvary, which is on the west side, which is just on the, over the top of the, the, the hills on Burnside. And Mount Calvary is the older one, and is, it's uh, fairly close to being full. There's still open spaces, and there are now constructing mausoleums because since the church now allows cremation, but interment of the remains in one, mm -hmm. one uh, container in one place, uh, we, we've started seeing a lot more of that where people have, choo have chosen to be cremated 
and then interred. So the other thing that's interesting that we see is somebody, older family members have been buried, a full-body casket burial, and then subsequent family members are cremated and the urn is buried on top Mm -hmm. of the casket because the casket is buried much deeper. And with an urn, that's a much smaller space, and you don't have the same... um, the same requirements that the state puts in on those situations. Gethsemane is the newer one, and it's got plenty of land, and they they are doing doing a lot of business, shall we say, there. And that's where we built the, f- the funeral home. We decided to build a Catholic funeral home after probably 10 years of study and so on. And it's because of the experiences of many of our parishioners and faithful Catholics had when they came to that in the more commercial sector of the funeral home market. And this is understandable given, given what in the commercial funeral home market, they are catering to everybody and they're providing a product. In the, the Catholic funeral home, home market, we say there's a spiritual element that we want infused from the beginning mm-hmm. in the people who are doing this, not that just people bring that in, but we infuse that through our funeral home people from the very beginning. So there's that spiritual element, and there's a pastoral element there. where we, there's a, it's, This isn't just about doing the business of taking somebody through after dying and burying them or interring them. There's also the people and the family involved. You know, We say in the church, the funeral masses and funeral services are for the living, not for the dead. And so there's a way in which we, we cater to them. Cater to that need, that desire, that um, necessity in us as human beings when we grieve. It's interesting because the uh, the, fu- the funerals, funeral homes fall under my general oversight in the end, and so they there's a, a survey that gets sent out after every funeral, and the families are free to respond or not, and it's basically same kind of thing we do in the commercial world. How how was your experience? What happened? Tell us if you have any uh, suggestions. And overall, I would say 95% of them come back, not just good or average, but people exceedingly grateful for the way they were treated, the way they were cared for through the whole process. So I have to acknowledge our funeral home staff and our cemetery staff uh, do a terrific job in uh, taking care of the people who come to them at a very vulnerable moment in their lives when they're dealing with the loss of somebody they've loved. Mm-hmm. Give us a sense, Bishop Smith, of the difference because adding on, I know that was a huge, it was a huge project to say, we're going to have our own funeral home. And I think I didn't really know what was the difference between you have a cemetery and you have a funeral home. But as I did my own pre-planning with my husband and we had one of the cemetery staff come to our parish several years ago and educated us because I didn't have a clue. How many of us go out and start to ask about pre-planning for a funeral? Not many, but it, it opened my eyes to if I'm a person of faith, I want to work with a person of faith if I'm burying a family member. If somebody's burying me, I want them to understand my Catholic faith. But what's the role of a funeral home, and how does that work within the final burial or interment of our loved one? Sure. So the cemetery itself functions as we provide the land and we provide the structure uh, for interment. So that's what that's what was there before. 
So the preparation of the body or the, all those things were handled by a, a funeral home. And then you would come to the cemetery where you'd either bury or inter the remains or the body in those situations. But you would be dealing with a particular funeral home, and they would be doing that. Now, early on, that wasn't a problem when, when so many of these funeral homes were independent, family-owned, and so on. They had that sense. Mm-hmm. But just with the way the economics of this has worked, uh, 90% of the funeral homes in the United States, um, despite having their own names, are part of, I think, two or three huge networks. So in those situations, sometimes that element of uh, personal care or pastoral care gets lost. Mm-hmm. It, it remains in some of them because of the individuals who are doing it. So after it took about 10 years of study or more, we were playing around with this idea. We looked at several models, and eventually we came, we came to a decision to do this. So in the archdiocese, the, the cemeteries and the funeral home, there's a board, and there's several priests and lay people on that board, and we made the decision to proceed with building an actual funeral home on the property of Gethsemane. And so that's what we did. And so it's a full-service funeral home. We can, They either do all the services out of there or contract services because that's how these things work. So you can go through the entire procedure with a Catholic funeral home, obviously with whatever church services you want, and then interment or burial in a Catholic cemetery. And the main reason is pastoral. We mm-hmm. want to provide an option for our people. Now, people are free. They don't have to do that. You know, the right. families buy plots in other cemeteries, and they get buried there. That's fine. You know, we have a, a lot up at uh, Mount Calvary, an area where you see the outside altar where priests and bishops are buried. But you don't have to be buried there. Uh, I think Father Borjo, if I remember correctly, he was buried at St. Wenceslas Cemetery in Scapus. So... People are free to choose where they want to be buried and whether they're cremated or uh, full casket burial. Now, you mentioned cremation, full casket burial, and I've heard a lot these days about some environmental, green burial. But what are the proper ways that we bury? You mentioned how we respect the body, we respect the soul of the person and the body. So as a church, how do we look at that and help to educate people? Because maybe I've got, I'm burying a loved one, but I don't understand, maybe I'm not practicing my faith, but that my loved one was a Catholic, and you want to respect that tradition. What do I want to avoid? And, and what is really acceptable with burials? So what we say, if you're going to bury or inter somebody, obviously if the body is in the casket and you're placing that in the ground, that takes care of it. If a person's cremated uh, at a suitable time after the cremation, the person's remains need to be interred in one place. And I say suitable because... Some people keep those urns in their home. In their homes, yes. And one of the things that uh, that realtors will tell you that is <laughs> pops up as somebody dies and they go in a, and then the home is being sold and down and somewhere in the home they find this urn with cremated remains in it. Well, who is it and what do they do with it and how do you handle all that? And I know that. Uh, our Catholic cemeteries will actually uh, inter those remains, uh, even if they don't know who they are. They'll put them in an, in an area in their mausoleums to do that. So we, we do not 
allow scattering. Mm-hmm. And part of that is a, a human and psychological reason. As human beings, we want a locus or a place right. of remembrance. And people may poo-poo that, but if you want to poo-poo that, then why do people put crosses on the side of the road right. with flowers and things like that where somebody, a loved one, died? It's, it's just a basic human instinct that here's a place that has been made sacred by something, even if it's a tragedy. This, this is a sacred place. So we've always understood this, this notion of we go to the cemetery, we go to the graveyard, and here is where our loved one is buried. I remember I was up at Willamette National. I had done an interment, and I was driving slowly around. It was a beautiful summer day. This was years ago when I was at, our, at St. Rose Parish. And there in the middle of this row of graves was this young woman sitting on a blanket in front of a grave. And she, there was flowers on the headstone, and there was an American flag. And looking at her, it's, it's either her husband or her father or some older family member. And sort of I slowed down and just watched and what struck me from that image was she was still trying to make connection or being connection with whoever this was, who was a loved one who was, who had died. And so the place of burial or interment provides some some place where you can go and continue to grieve or work out your grief or remember and have those memories. And it's a way of remaining connected. It's not like... It's not as though when this person dies and goes out of our life, suddenly, boom, erase, delete, the file's gone. So when my father died, you know, I remember talking to some of my siblings, and I said, folks, you have to remember, my mother spent over 70% of her life together with this man. You don't just disconnect. I mean, this takes a long time. Uh, you have those memories and you need a place of memorial. So my father was cremated. It was a full casket funeral, but he was cremated, and he was interred at the mausoleum at the local church. And my mother can go there and see there's his name on the wall, and every year on his anniversary she'll go, or used to go until her health got too poor, put flowers there and so on. So it's a way in which we allow us to continue this human process of dealing with these things. And people say, well, you'll get over it. You don't. It's You learn to live with it. It's, uh, you learn to live with the, this reality, and the sting eventually goes away. And, and then you remember, and those memories are joyful, even though they may be emotional. Right. You mentioned as we began, Bishop Smith, that death is not the end. It's a, it's a change. It's a change of life. And so it's a change for us, the living. And also there's a change in our loved one who has died, which is still a mystery. We know the story of the resurrection. We hear of the, the lives of the saints and their intercession, but we still don't quite understand that resurrection of new life. But you mentioned the hope. And I guess as we come to a close is just as I contemplate death, and I even see the lives of the saints, there's images of saints holding skeleton heads, you know, that contemplation of death. But I want that to be a joyful, hopeful way that I can live my life. Yeah. So we look towards death. It's not an experience we we will enjoy. But on the other hand, 
death is not the end. And this is, this is why we, our funeral services and masses, there are all kinds of baptismal images in it. Right. And they connect to baptism and new life and the continuation of life in Christ. So this is a huge part of what we focus on uh, in our funeral services and to have that. And we, we bury somebody with the hope that we will meet again in the life after this one. Obviously, that depends on the individual and how they, things are worked out with the Lord. I think for most of us, I know for me, it'll be a long time in purgatory <laughs> before I get there. But I look forward in hope to me, seeing my father again in his glorified body. Um, two of my four grandparents were dead before I was born. So I look forward and hope Hopefully they'll be there in heaven with the Lord, and I look forward, hopefully, to seeing them. And I have hope for myself that I will uh, be worthy of uh, living with uh, the Trinity and all the angels and saints and all those holy men and women uh, who have been found pleasing in God's sight. That's right. And I just encourage our, our listeners to check out our Catholic cemeteries. Of course, Mount Calvary, Gethsemane. During the summer season, it's a, it's just a beautiful time to go to visit, to pray. Like you said, even just to walk the grounds, bring your rosary, pray for those lives, those souls, and, and really contemplate, uh, do I need to put some plans together for my funeral? And I would encourage people to do that and look to our church to serve us in that way. So thank you so much for just giving us some things to think about and to reflect upon on the beauty of life and death. And with that, would you help us close with a prayer and your blessing, Bishop Smith? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of life that you have given us. We thank you for all those who have poured into our lives and helped enrich our lives, not only in a human way, but in a way of deep faith. And Lord, as we continue to live our lives, may we be witnesses to you not only in this life, but as how we, as we come to the end of our lives, that even through approaching death and through death itself, our lives may be witnesses that glorify your name. We ask you to bless us all now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And as always, I want to thank you for joining us and tuning in to The Voice of the Shepherd. We invite you to join us again next week. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie Hale. Until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.